for me personally, I have given some of my best years to understanding Western culture. But I'm, now yeah. it's time for me to understand my own number one mm-hmm. and to shed light to my own because I feel like we're a dying breed in a sense. Welcome back to Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina Yusufani and I'm your host doing the absolute most once again on your favorite podcast of all time. Today, I'm coming at you with a very heavy heart because we're coming to address and to just speak about something that has been plaguing each and every single person who's been on social media lately. Anybody that um, knows anybody um, has seen all of you know the backlash, all of the outburst from the black community coming from justice for George Floyd, for the case on Breonna Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. So today we are speaking about racism. We're speaking about how black lives matter. And we're just going to have a conversation around that as two young black individuals. I'm not alone. I have my very good friend, co-podcaster, right? Um, Joel Muho. He's a motivational speaker and he's just a man of many talents. And uh, one of the best parts about him is that he just reasons so well. And he's just able to have good conversations that can really, really impact people and teach them a lot. So Joey, thank you for joining me today. It is such a big pleasure to be on Sakina Speaks. I think the one thing is that I'm as much as I am excited, the one thing that like breaks me is this conversation. You know, yeah. Having this conversation. The first conversation we're having is one which like many of us can't even bring ourselves to have because it's just weighing so much on our hearts. Yeah. One of the, the biggest things I think for me personally, it's like you said, like this this past week, it's been such an emotional week. And one of the biggest things that I've kind of asked myself is whether or not it's my fight. Ever since mm-hmm. George Floyd was murdered, to put it bluntly, on tape, I think to myself, like, is this something that I have to fight about? Like a lot of people are raising the question, no, at home in South Africa, there's so much going on. Why aren't mm. we fighting that? Why aren't we fighting so much? And I'm like, if I'm being honest, as much as I hate the fact that George Floyd uh, was murdered, mm-hmm. I think it's disgusting. I think it's terrible. But I think it just opened up the way Americans are protesting, the way the uprising of everything yeah. just ignited something in terms, in my heart, in terms of so much that is going on in the world mm-hmm. today. And I'm not saying like last year when there was the gender-based violence, like that already uprooted something. But I feel like all these protests like added yeah. to the fire of, mm-hmm. listen, something needs to be done. Like I can't, mm. you can't just be sitting here and doing nothing. I'm saddened. However, I am disgusted. I'm, I'm mm. disgusted in the fact that it's been said so many times that, hey, listen, guys, even like in South Africa, guys, we're over 25 years since apartheid ended. Yep. You have no excuse. You can't really speak openly about racism and stuff like that. Like I remember having a conversation with my brother. My brother always told me that, remember, just because apartheid ended, it didn't mean racism has ended. Mm. Racism, like it wasn't announced that guys, it's the end of racism as soon as apartheid True. ended. No, it was the end of segregation. It was allowing black people into communities like basically mm-hmm. just opened up their horizons for black people but yeah this with that came also so many other limitations mm. you know 
Oh, yeah, it's frustrating. It's a whole lot. I mean, scrolling through your timeline on Instagram, because I just told myself like a long time ago that Twitter is just a lot for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a struggle mm-hmm. that I'm going to fight another day. But mm-hmm. um, just scrolling through my timeline, I think it physically took a toll on my body. And like my mental health was just dwindling this past week because mm-hmm. it was just too much. I think many times, and I don't know if we're getting too deep too quickly in this conversation, but many times I would, I would make excuses for our counterparts. I'd make excuses for those who are ignorant. I'd make sure. excuses for my own ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd be like, no, but, but now it was just out in the open like it was literally like they slashed a person's body all the like halfway through and you're just seeing everything on the inside and there's it's just unfiltered and you're realizing that this is real you can't make excuses for this because this is happening this is what it is and it was just so much to take all at once and wow i didn't know whether especially as being a christian you know i was put in a very like it, it was yeah. such a dilemma because in my head i'm thinking must i be politically correct must i you know i get what you're saying i 110 percent get what you're saying like i think as a christian that's the biggest question that like has been raised for me personally yeah. like i just think to myself that like you said like must i be politically correct but at the same time i'm just there like Look, Jesus stood for for so much. Like, I mean, Jesus left 99 to go take care of that one sheep. I don't think of it as, like, hating on... Remember, the core of Black Lives Matter is not to discredit any white person's life. In in matter of fact, the world has already given so much credit to a white person's life, which is great, which is exactly what's supposed to happen. But Mm -hmm. the world is not supposed to discredit a black individual. So I did not care. I I literally thought to myself that Mm -hmm. if you're a white person and you feel uncomfortable by this, by my Mm. statements, by me literally coming out in the open and saying that I'm disgusted by racism, I'm taking Mm -hmm. a stand and that's it, then I do believe that there might actually be something wrong with you. Because here's the thing, if you're blind to the fact that there is a problem, if you're blind to the fact that there's so much, like if you can watch the video of George Floyd Mm. being murdered and literally just be on your phone and then continue doing whatever the hell you want and not necessarily be moved or shook or saddened by the disgust that was displayed in that video, it says a lot more about you than me. And I don't care. Like if you want to unfollow me because I'm protesting, because... I'm taking part in this, then mm-hmm. please, by all means, please do so. But I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to stop this. Like, And there's no yeah. verse or there's no statement that tells me anything other than that. Like Jesus, he embraced prostitutes. He embraced so many different people. Mm-hmm. He, he did the unlikely. He, he embraced people that the world shunned. He yeah. embraced people with leprosy. And mm-hmm. I feel as if, in this case, you're shunning a lot of black people. Yeah. You're shunning black people as a whole. And I'm going to take the stand. And I'm going to be like, no, I don't care. And it can cause a lot of conflict, but I really don't care. Remember, if you're offended, you think that the fight is black against white when it's not. It's everybody against racists. Exactly. And that's it, you know? Mm, yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's on period. Like, that's I'm, on period. <laughs> that's on period. I think it just got me so worked up. Like, it was... Yo, this is going to sound like we're just retelling how how we felt when we watched the video. I think it was just so much. Like, for me, watching him cry out and say, Mama, oh my God, that moment, like, it absolutely finished me. Like, I was so broken. Like, I've, I've never 
been that heartbroken in my life. And you know, you have those crushes, that crush that you still tell everybody about that like properly messed mm. you up. But like this yeah. pain could not compare to that moment where a grown yeah. man was reduced to a weeping infant in a single moment. Oh, and this human being, you know, in inverted commas, is just deriving pleasure from, from seeing his deterioration. It, it was just, it was wow. One thing that I always maintain is that I don't wish death upon anyone. We just mm-hmm. want justice for not just George Floyd, but the thousands that are killed on a yearly basis, not just the men, women, the kids. I mean, yeah. kids, and it's unjustified. It's crazy. Wait. Like, I'm upset because of it. Uh, I saw so, this one video. It's frustrating to say the least. If I'm being very, honest. very frustrating. Yeah? I saw this one video of Chris Rock on Instagram as well. And um, you know how people are saying that black men are, are, are an endangered species. And he said, no, black men are not an endangered mm. species because endangered species are protected by the law. That hit properly hard. <laughs> like yeah. it's you such, and a it's fact. and it's facts, you know. Sadly, later on, early this evening, actually, um, my sister and I were watching this one documentary. It also did like a hu- it had a huge media craze. It was called um, "I Got Flowers Today," something like that. The guy, oh who, my soul, yeah, the Don't guy. Get me started on that. <laughs> the guy who plays the the abuser, right? He's he's this beautiful dark man right it was disturbing how a dark man suited the role of an abuser it was disturbing for me to come to the realization that black men like darker black men are actually the face of violence you know it just this whole uprising has just opened our eyes to so much systemic racism that we didn't even realize was a thing it's it's just made us more more aware of our blackness no, I get, I get that. Like, and I think the one thing that made me realize, like, I stopped for two seconds and I was just, I remember, like, after you even having said this, like, in terms of, like, black men and everything, mm-hmm. like, I just think to myself that sometimes I, I really just wish that I grew up in a society where I was seen as equal and I didn't have to work so hard yeah. to be seen as what I need to be seen, mm. what I rightfully should be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so frustrating because as a kid, you know, how many black people are just gone through, go through so much trauma from, you know, how embarrassed I was to even come to school with like a, a lunch bag filled with food that was not necessarily Western. Like yeah. you have your bonu. It, it sounds weird, but it shouldn't be like a thing. Yeah. It shouldn't be like looked down upon. Or mm-hmm. I remember like with me, one of the biggest things was like sharing my third name. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's so like, oh my word, like I'm kind of scared because people are going to bully me because it sounds different. It's not mm. like a Mark. It's not yeah. a Michael. It's not a Matthew. It's mm. it's not like a European type of name. Mm. You know, like, and I look at it and I'm just there like, these are some of the battles, some of the things that we as South Africans go through, like us as yeah. people over here. Like when you, when you raised or you go around or you're surrounded by, white people when they look down at you in this way and I'm not like I've said I'm not going to go into the whole detail if you listen to this right now and you're thinking oh not all white people yeah you're right but I'm literally just speaking on the, the reality ones. like yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. It's not 
the re- exactly the reality of it. Like, cause me, like growing up, being surrounded by a lot of white people, having a bunch of white friends and everything. I was, and yes, I do have a black, a bunch of black friends. I'm not gonna get into that, but I'm just gonna focus on the the topic in itself. Looking at that, looking back, and I'm like, as much as I enjoyed the company of a large majority of them, I mean, they understood mm-hmm. the the borders, the lines between racism. You know, I helped educate them uh, where need be. Yeah, um, but there's just some others that like literally blatantly don't recognize my skin color. They don't. Mm. They don't acknowledge it. You know, it's just so it's sad because, as I said before, I'll repeat it again. One of the biggest debates, one of the biggest things that's ever been stated, is that a fight did happen over 25 years ago. We can't really complain about racism anymore. Yeah, and I ask myself, why are your parents still racist? And the one thing that must be understood is that not just why your parents still racist, as much as apartheid ended in 1994, mm-hmm. your parents were alive for the apartheid regime. So whatever they're yep. teaching you, you might be taking to the next generation. It's not about what ended, it's about what was left behind and what is mm. carried. All those mm-hmm. culturally, all, all the ideals, the morals and everything, it's being brought down generation to generation. And I think that's what needs to be taken down from the root. Like you need to, as much as it is so hard to not listen to your parents anymore, but if your parents were wrong for the morals that they instilled in you or the yeah. perspective that they still in you, you have to take courage and change your morale in that sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, this playing on the theme or on the backdrop of, of COVID-19, this uh, COVID-19 already, this whole Yo. lockdown and everything... It was already just mm-hmm. opening up like wounds and, and just bringing back memories and flashbacks and, and forcing us to address and confront certain things that we have left and ignored and, you know, things within ourselves, within our hearts and stuff and realities about ourselves. And so when this whole thing came up as well, I think for me, it was, you know, there's certain things, just like you said, like you had, um, you were in an environment where, you know, you had a lot of white people around, a lot of white friends, etc. I went to a very black school in the sense that I don't know if there were mm-hmm. even white people. There was like, you know, coloreds and stuff. And just to show yeah. how you said, like, this is like, a deep-rooted thing for for you even to to have felt uncomfortable at such a young age just to bring your own traditional food your own you know home Mm -hmm. food and everything and just be uncomfortable in that sense i think for me i remember from like a really young age i just always wanted to be colored it was always something like an innate thing inside of me that i want to be colored because the way people see mixed race people, mixed race kids, you know, they they like the the comfortable in between. Exactly. Because they have the advantage of the whiter side of them. They have um, the soft and curly hair. Yeah. And you you know what I mean? So always... No, I completely get what you mean because I experienced the same. I mean, I'm lighter than the average black person. So in that sense, I experienced Mm -hmm. that privilege as well, which like this thing is so twisted. Mm -hmm. And so... I wasn't obsessed with being lighter. Like I wasn't like, I'm, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to use products to lighten my skin or whatever. And, but it was always that thing of, I wanted yeah. the long straight hair. I wanted certain things that were associated yeah. with whiteness because even at such a young mm-hmm. age, I understood the power and the privilege that came with being associated with such an image and such a people. 110% agree with you because growing up, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. 
the, there was a stage where I really did want the privilege that came with being white to a point where I wanted to be white. There's so many contributing factors and I don't just, I'm not just saying that it was the white people in itself, but it mm-hmm. was what I was watching, watching Disney Channel, you watching High School Musical, True. you're like, I want to be Troy Bolton or mm-hmm. I want to, or you're watching Sweet Life on Day uh, of mm-hmm. Zach and Cody and you're like, I want that life. I kind of, mm-hmm. I, I like this about it. I, I kind of want to be that. And I think that a lot of what we watch in society and what we take in also just contributes to that. And I think yeah. the one thing that I've also realized is that a lot of the white individuals that kind of took, that kind of accepted me as a friend, they only accepted me because I would want to, how do I put it? You know, coconuts are accepted by, they're mm. accepted only because it's something familiar to them. They're not, because I, I used to speak Afrikaans. I used mm-hmm. to soki. I used to legit like just wow. be the, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it was insane. Like it, it was insane because it was like, as much as I thought that it was diversity, I thought it was diversifying myself. And granted, I did diversify myself. I just think that they didn't understand themselves. There was no point where they could listen, they could engage in my culture things. Mm-hmm. Like if I could tell them a bunch of things about the Afrikaans culture, but I don't think that they could tell me one thing about being Congolese or yeah. not even being Congolese, but being any culture within South Africa. And I think that's the disappointing part because mm. as much as I engage with them, I don't think that uh, that same energy was reciprocated. And that's when I got to a point where I just realized I was like, I know enough. I know enough about the Afrikaans culture. I know enough about them, but now I think it's time to educate them about us. And yeah. that's why this Black Lives Matter is so important. We've engaged too much. Us as black people, we've engaged in westernized culture for the longest time, for years. We've been brought into their culture. We've been wearing their suits. We've Mm -hmm. been wearing their clothes for the longest time. And as much as it is something that should be celebrated, but we do feel as if it is time for us to be celebrated as well. well. Our culture to be celebrated. Our languages to be celebrated. Not just speaking English, but them engaging in African local languages, mm-hmm. them enjoying it, them loving it. Like one of the biggest things for me, I know it sounds ridiculous, but the suit, the European suit, I mean, it's amazing. Like I love suits. I love yeah. dressing up and everything. But one thing that I love as well is my African traditional formal uh, men's attire. Like, yes. I mean, wow. <laughs> like I always think to myself, imagine what it would be like if the world saw that if the world engaged in that as much as they do praise the westernized type of suit you know what i'm saying and that for me is just like a heavy example of for me personally i have given some of my best years to understanding western culture but now it's time for me to understand my own number one Mm -hmm. and to shed light to my own because i feel like we're a dying breed in a sense in that sense you know our oh. culture is dying out and I never want that to go away. It is what it is. That's the gospel truth, especially when you said that we've, you've devoted some of your best years just to that. I've devoted mm-hmm. some of my best years just to, I mean, we're going to be getting into, into something else, which is the, the whole black on black hate. But mm-hmm. I've also devoted most of my years just trying to, just as you said, just trying to diversify yourself, just trying to learn more about other people and be able yeah. to 
um, mesh more with their cultures and, and be able to be more, mm. I don't know, approachable to them, but not necessarily finding out who I am and finding out how other people can integrate into my culture and, and how that can be a thing and, mm-hmm. and how me being black is not constantly having to adjust to everybody else's thing just so I can feel comfortable, you know? So mm-hmm. it really did open my eyes and I really I couldn't back down either I couldn't back down from the fight I couldn't keep quiet any longer because being black has been walking into a room with where where you see your white counterparts and you automatically think that they're on a higher level than you it's mm-hmm. being at a store and being a, a consultant or a worker or whatever and whenever you give an informed opinion, a white counterpart will then feel as though he needs to call the manager because he doesn't believe what you're saying because exactly. obvious reasons, because you're black. Um, how could, how mm-hmm. could you know this? You know, um, it's a lot of these things that a lot of us don't mm-hmm. even realize. And, and let me just shed a little bit more light on that. So when it comes to the privilege thing, I used to think it was a very, you know, we think it's a very like heavy, like, yeah, we have to learn their language, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not even that deep like it's in the details so i remember um a long time ago because i wanted to do like a whole episode just educating people on this and everything and i came across this one website where this this one white woman was basically shedding lights on what exactly like the depth of white privilege is and two of the things which i can remember first of all the color of bandages right no one notices Mm -hmm. but they actually blend in with caucasian skin yeah that's yeah Mm, that's like no one has noticed like you don't yeah. you don't get it 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 shows on your skin because it wasn't made for your tone and then yeah the second it one wasn't made was, for you you know what i'm saying it made, wasn't made for exactly. you exactly yeah and then the second one was yeah. um when you go to a hotel the shampoos and the soaps that you get there are suited to caucasian hair sure sure you <laughs> I used to, <laughs> I used to think that this whole privilege thing was, you know, like a very big. It's not. It's in the details, and it forms part of a system that was just not made for the black person. Exactly. It's insane to actually see that, and like, it's, you know, there's a couple of people that would, a lot of like white people that could be listening to this right now, and actually yeah. just be thinking to yourself that I'm a little bit offended by this and everything, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to ask you to look at things from my perspective. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to bring you facts. I'm just trying to bring you what the facts are and how you're living and how we've been for years, for centuries. Mm-hmm. We've yep. basically adjusted our lives according to what you have done and it's because you've run the system for so and so for like the longest time years you get what yeah. i'm saying exactly for the long- longest time like if i'm being honest if the system was run by black people a lot of things would be different fashion would look different main hair products around the world would look so much more different than yeah. than what it is today you know like all of these things would just look so different and that's why it's a thing where i think it's not like a fight it's not a thing where we hate mm. white people. No, whatever. it's a thing where we're point, trying yeah. to exactly we're trying to bring up our culture. We're trying mm. to live in a society where our culture can be seen, heard, and embraced. You just as and much if you not, feel yeah. exactly mm-hmm. like just as much as your as as your culture has been embraced for centuries. Yeah, we want to just get to that point where we can all just and if you believe that like it's not, it shouldn't be that way or whatever the case may be, I'm not going to shout at you. 
I'm not going to swear at you. Like I have zero time to do all of that. Like with me personally, I try to educate as much as possible. But if mm-hmm. you feel like your perspective is your perspective and you feel like there should be segregation, there should be differences and everything. I'm not going to say it's okay, but I'm going to leave you alone because I honestly think the world will deal with you as is. Look, yeah. I always say this. I always say this when it comes to racist, when it comes to people, you know, on Twitter, there's this whole cancel type of culture where yeah. um, if anybody does anything racist, like if a white person does anything racist, then they cancel them or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Me, my thing is I have no opinion on that. I don't agree with the death threats that come with it or the rape threats or all these other things that come with it. But I'm just yeah. saying that I feel like when it comes to evil, the world will always deal with the evil in whatever way possible. I don't need yeah. to condemn you. I don't need to do anything. Like I feel bad and I feel like you should be taught in a reasonable manner. But if you're being unreasonable, if you're out here calling black people the N-word and stuff like that, I can literally just sit back and tell society, this is what this person's doing and they'll deal with you in whatever way possible. And like I said, I want to repeat, I might not agree with the way, but I can't stay have... silent. Yeah, black people yeah. can't stay silent anymore. Mm. As the hashtag well, says, man, like enough is enough. And... Unfortunately, we had to lose many precious lives. I mean, every single life mm-hmm. is extremely precious and, and that blood had to be shed. But what a time it is to be alive, man. We, we are living on the brink of what could be a revolutionary era. This could be exactly. the year that, I'm not going to say racism ends because that would be like very, very idealistic. But <laughs> the year mm-hmm. when, you know, the change begins and hope is actually restored to our future generations because i can't imagine having to prepare my kids for war all in the name of of life and being able to survive and to live oh wow i had i read one of the most heartbreaking things today and that was a friend of mine's younger sister yeah uh, she sent her a link to sign a petition for justice for george floyd and she's 12 and for me it was like oh wow you know Mm. first of all i like it didn't hit like uh it was like oh wow you know like she's she's woke you know she's and then the the sister who's my friend wrote on her caption a 12 year old has to sign a petition basically for justice like let that sink in this is the world we live in Wow. Like you, you can't even. And it's insane. Like, well, yeah. Imagine, like, at that young age, you know, like, what do black people have to kind of teach their young ones? One of the people that I love listening to, and like, I'm gonna say this because I strongly believe that this guy can become either a president or yeah. he can become a like a, a very high level politician. And it's Trevor Noah, right? Yeah. Because the way he understands stuff, and here's the thing: he never fights with you. Like one of the videos True. that he said that. It was one of the things where he discussed the whole thing of what does he make of the whole looting and the whole burning of Target and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yes, I stopped and I, at first for me personally, I was sad and I was like, damn guys, do we really have to do that? Then I stopped and I realized, and I think my brother told me that there was a response from the owner of that Target, the guy from Target that he said, it's okay, we'll build it again, but these guys can never get George Floyd's life back. And wow. that hit me. It hit me so hard because I just realized that I don't care if you burn down five targets to save one person's life or yeah. just to stop police brutality. Imagine if that was the case because there's so many people. I remember there was, there was a tweet that went out that said that after they assassinated Martin Luther King, black people were doing the same thing, burning buildings down, uh, looting, doing so much. And after that, the Civil Rights Act of, I forgot which year, was, mm-hmm. was created. 
I look at it and I'm just there like, is that the language that we speak now? And the way like Trevor Noah explained it, he explained it so well. I don't want to really repeat what he said, but mm-hmm. he explained it to a point where I'm not saying that you understand why or you promote the fact that they should burn down yeah. uh, these buildings or break stuff or whatever. But he explains it to a point where you think to yourself, if society has broken the very constitution that they built, yeah. then social contract, exactly. Then there's no reason for us to up- uphold it. And yeah. I understood. I was like, it makes sense. Mm. If you kill somebody, if you're not upholding the laws of society, then we can't as well. Then we have to break that contract. It's the exact mm-hmm. same thing, you know? It makes sense. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the size, like, it's it's a lot, Joey. It's a whole lot. Being black is an extreme sport. And yes. being alive on its own is just, it's like winning an Olympic gold medal because this is the life we to live, right? Honest. It's, it's really mm. unfortunate. And I just want to close on this mm-hmm. note, right? So I saw this one tweet where this person said that I think protesting and whatnot is not, is not biblical. And this one lady replied and she said, she replied with Proverbs 31 verse 8 to 9, which is actually two scriptures which are very, very dear to my heart as well. And it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I think that sums it yeah. up. If you are a child of God, that sums it up. then mm. this, is, this nah. is your time. And I want to just go on the record and say that once again, like this is not a fight black versus white, everyone versus racism. If you feel as if your perspective of segregation and everything is just and everything, once again, I'm not going to say that's okay because that's not what I believe. I stand against it. I'm disgusted by it. And I will never, ever agree to black and white people should be separated. Yeah. But one thing I do hope and I pray that I will always fight for is justice and justice will always be served with or without your back. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, thank you for listening. I hope you've been educated. It's really been a rough week and I really do hope that many more people rise to the occasion and just like Pastor Stephen Furtick said, it doesn't help for you to just feel guilty about stuff. It doesn't help if you just feel bad about things. And just as he said, as a white person, he'll never understand what black people go through and what black people have gone through. But it doesn't help to just feel bad. And black people aren't asking for you to just feel bad for them. We're asking for you to act differently. And so on that note, I'm going to conclude this episode and say thank you so much, Joey, for for coming on. Look, we could speak about this forever. I'm just really, really excited to see what the future holds and and how how far we can take this and how much justice we can actually attain through all of these actions. I was super privileged to be part of Blackout Tuesday. And, you know, one day in the future, I hope to tell my kids, you know, with the brightest of smiles and the most proud feelings in the world that, you know what, we, we conquered it. And this is why you're able to live in a safe, equal and loving environment and loving world where, you know, race is, is nothing. Is, is not a thing anymore. Color is something mm-hmm. that just so happens yeah. to be part of your biology, but not something that grades you, you know. Thank you once mm-hmm. again, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you listen to all of the other podcasts on the Lockdown Chat series. I hope you go and listen to Joey's podcast. He does have a podcast. Joey, please tell us where we can get it, what it's called, what it's about. It's everywhere, guys. <laughs> Every single app, mainly wherever you, you listen to your podcast today. So come on, <laughs> go and listen to it now. Come on now. 
Yes. Called the Midnight Mixtape. Come on. Uh, Midnight Mixtape on 74 Studios, guys. Please go listen up. Me and my boy Lefra, my co-host, yes. we banter about so many different things. We might laugh around with you a lot. We answer a bunch of you guys' questions. Please listen to the podcast, baby. <laughs> It's bent. It's funny. It's cool. Why not? Okay. Exactly. Why flipping not? You're asking exactly. yourself, why must I listen? I'm saying, why not? You need to be listening to the podcast now. The midnight mixtape. You can listen to it anytime. But drop that midnight on Friday. Tell him. So Sakina speaks at 6 p.m. The midnight mixtape at 12. You know what it is. You have enough time to listen to both. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Sakina has spoken. 